Welcome to Buy My Telingual today. My name is Elizabeth Aitai and I'm your host. My guest today lives and works in Columbus, Georgia. She's currently a professor of art and the gallery director at Columbus State University. She received her Master of Fine Arts in Sculpture at University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. She has exhibited her work internationally at spaces such as Poem 88 Gallery in Atlanta, Georgia, Kettler International Drawing Space, New York City, the Vargas Museum of Art in the Philippines, Museum of Contemporary Art in Honolulu, and iSpace in Chicago, among others. She received the Daedalus Art Grant, New York City, the Columbus State University Faculty Grant, the Creative and Performance Art Fellowship at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and the Artist Fellowship at Cornell University, New York, among others. So I'd like you to start with uh, your name, your origin, your current residence. My name is Hannah. I was born in the Philippines, um, specifically Manila, Philippines, and I currently live in Columbus, Georgia. My family Im- immigrated to the States when I was 10 years old in 1984. What is your native language? I speak Tagalog, which is the native language of the Philippines fluently, and also English. And what do you consider your native language? Tagalog is my native language, and English is my second. Which language do you feel most comfortable with? Something that I use often because of where I live. Do you still speak Tagalog? Yes, yes. Every chance I get. Mm-hmm. Um, what situations are you speaking Tagalog? Um, when I see someone who's Filipino in, you know, in my community or places where I am, I often ask them if they speak, you know, Tagalog. And uh, so that's an opportunity that brings in like for me to speak to them in that language. Also, um, when I speak to my sister, uh, my family, we often speak in both language. Actually, we mix it. It's called Taglish. Taglish. Yeah. Great. Is there, between Tagalog and English, is there a language that you would say you feel most comfortable with or home? At home, well, um, I married an Anglo-Saxon, uh, uh, my husband, he's actually, he comes, I think his background's in German and also Italian. And uh, so we speak English more often. Um, and uh, my son, who's half, half, and, you know, um, I first in- tried to introduce Tagalog to him, but it's really hard to teach a person another language when there are aren't other uh, speakers around you. He can understand a little bit, more likely when I'm yelling at him, you know, just little things like that, um, that he could understand, but he can't speak it. Yeah. Do you feel more comfortable with Tagalog or English? I think both. You know, I was pretty surprised, actually. I met a lot of people who are Filipinos here in Banff, and um, I feel like uh, um, I usually would have a transition in speaking in Tagalog once I haven't spoken it for a long time, but I haven't had that problems at all. And so I feel very comfortable speaking both of them. When it comes to communicating emotional um, states, is there a language you prefer using? Verbally, I use English when I'm in an emotional state. You know, just your regular exploitive or, you know, in case like when I'm angry or something. Um, but if I'm sad, I, I often think in a uh, more like an English thought. 
Um, that's an interesting question, <laughs> only because I never think of um, language in an emotional state. Um, more like um, I, I feel that in an emotional state, other things in your body or in your senses kind of is heightened. Like your my hands move more whenever I'm I'm emotional, or um, maybe I'll sweat or something, you know, uh, or a cry, or so. There's other things involved when I'm, a, I'm emotional. And uh, in terms of verbal language, I think I, I do it in in English unless I, did, I didn't want for the person that's around me to understand what I'm feeling, I would speak in another language, <laughs> which is Tagalog. And right. only because, you know, when you're in a line or something and somebody's annoying you, you're like speaking another language so they don't understand you. Yeah. Because you don't want to offend them. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you said English is your second language. At what age did you get introduced to English? This is interesting. Um, of course, we were born to speak in Tagalog, but I learned how to read in English. Most of our books that was given to us were in English even though we spoke in Tagalog. So there's moments where I can remember, how did I learn how to speak English? One way was through music. I remember hearing my aunts who were, you know, older than me, but they were still teenagers. They were listening to like Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And, you know, those are very repetitive uh, music. And so usually we would sing it and like, love, love, me do. And it's, it's we would sing it with an an accent, which is always so funny that thinking about it before, but that's how mainly like a lot of the, the words we in context of um, dialogue, you know, we would remember these words through music. When I was um, probably preschool, you know, four years old or something, they introduced us to the Dick and Jane book, uh, See Dick Run, Run, Dick Run, and See Jane Run. And it's all these repetitive like English, and it's just one one book that learned, like, taught us how to speak it, you know, uh, English and read in English. So I, I can remember a pretty young age. They taught us both Tagalog and English in, the, in grammar school. So um, that was really part of the Filipino education. And I, I don't think, I, I mean, the first time I learned another language beyond that, I was already in high school um, when I was introduced to Spanish, which was really interesting because a lot of Spanish words are also in the Tagalog, in Filipino language um, because of the Spanish colonization. And so um, a lot of Tagalog are mixture of Spanish, um, Castilian Spanish, and uh, Malaysian language and other natives language that's been mixed together. So yeah. you actually speak three languages yeah i can i can speak a little bit of spanish and understand it yeah um read it much better than speaking it <laughs> yeah when it comes to your dreams what language do you dream in oh i would say 90 percent it's in english and about 10 percent it's in tagalog yeah it depends i think on the on the situation if there are people who are speaking 
speaking in Tagalog, I would speak in Tagalog. And then, you know, and I think one time I even had a dream that I was speaking in French, you know, like, and that's the thing about dreams. You can't control it. And you sort of, a lot of my dreams, I take personas that I didn't even know who I was, you know, more likely they are in English. So are you ever startled by yourself when you then dream in Tagalog? No, not really. So it's more natural. Yeah, yeah. I think it's natural. I think that language pretty much is um, pretty natural. You know, um, I think that I remember coming in and when we immigrated, one thing that I did know, and I was already in fifth grade with just 10, I was very afraid to speak because I knew that um, a lot of people can be cruel and can make fun of you and your accent and, and so forth. So I remember not talking a lot, but um, I started like participating in choir or uh, theater. And so you take certain personas and so you're like acting things out. And that helped me a lot to be, to come out of my shell and um, um, also uh, recognizing how to assimilate and also controlling the way you speak so that your, the accent of your voice or your native language is not there. So I tried very hard not to speak with like an accent. But when you're in California with other Filipinos, it comes right out. Or when you're back in the Philippines. Would you say that there is a second layer of an English that you speak that only comes out when you're in your native community? Yes, that's a definite. Yeah, I think that people and I think that you see that in so many levels of culture, you know, people who come in and out of cultures and they try to assimilate into that culture immediately if they can. And uh, part of that is that you take on sort of the tonation that that environment has. Like in the South, for example, uh, I've, I've lived in the South for about 15 years. You know, the Southern tongue has a very specific accent. And uh, sometimes when I'm speaking with other Southerners and they have really thick, you know, uh, Southern accent, you sort of take it on like you're talking to them and you're like start to like transform into saying y'all you know and and so it's pretty funny I think you know um but I think it's just part of the way how you communicate and um well I don't know I, I don't know if you've ever seen the film by Woody Allen uh Selig and uh where he becomes a human chameleon and he changes like from culture to like you know one time he's like you know a rabbi and he's he starts growing like these uh a beard and then he speaks like in you know in like uh hebrew and then he's like another you know a person that's another culture like it's like you're a human chameleon you know mm -hmm. um but i i think that some people i believe like have easier time to do that than others that actually leads to into the next question um that is about rhythm language and rhythm and i'm curious whether the rhythm of tagalog and english whether they have different effects on body soul the physicality um i i think that's i mean that's a that's actually a remarkable like question um i'm trying to think about it cross-culturally Yes, I think there are a lot of uh, many differences. So if you are speaking with someone, um, you know, in the Philippines, they like to joke around 
And uh, so sometimes the tonation and rhythm of that language becomes part of like everybody's joking, you know, it's funny. And um, so one of the things that comes in natural is teasing. Every time I see my uncles or something, they're always teasing how I'm so chubby and they just want to pinch my cheeks, like, you know, or my aunts and my grandmother, like always like, teasing you, you know, or if you have a, a boyfriend, if I like somebody, they'll be like, oh, you know, oh, they're always like teasing. And uh, but in English, it's I feel like it's much more serious. You know, when I'm using it, I tend to be much more like very practical than when I'm speaking in Tagalog with my sister. I would it's more like we're laughing, you know. Um, so I guess in terms of that rhythm and it changes So my mother. Her emotional rhythm in when she's speaking Tagalog, is, she seems like she's mad all the time. It's pretty funny. Uh, I keep thinking, we're like, why are you always yelling, you know, in, in Tagalog? And, uh, and she'll say, I'm not yelling. I'm just telling you. And so... Anyways, that, that's the type of the difference in rhythm. It's, uh, it, it makes it easier for her to express her emotion. In Tagalog, when you were talking about that earlier, then she speaks in that way. But to me, it's the other way around, you know, because I see English as much more serious than Tagalog. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah. I have that in Eastern Europe as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. People have many nicknames in, in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And they always pick a nickname of your strengths or weakness. Yeah, so oh. I, I'd be probably bunny teas, yeah, uh-huh. or, uh, so, you know, like a, you're like a mark, a mark yeah, that, a yeah, mark that makes you the you. Yeah, well, I was telling somebody how in the Philippines they usually say your name twice. Like my brother's name is John John, and I was said to my mom, "Why do you guys call him John John?" Like, and she would tease and say, "Oh, because then that way he'll listen. Like he he can hear his name." you know because he's so naughty and so that his name has to be repeated you know so and and the same thing my middle name is Leia and that's everybody called me Leia but then whenever somebody's mad at me they'll be like Lay 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 and so they, they like repeat the names emphasizing. yeah emphasizing yeah I guess that's yeah that's part of also the rhythm of communication yeah mm-hmm. if you if you were to lose one language or the other what loss would you experience oh gosh I feel like I'd be silenced you know I mean one or the other you know it's so much part of my everyday and the way we I communicate but uh, so I would definitely feel like a loss in uh, you know, like in prison or something, like if I couldn't use one or the other. And if I had to choose which one, I don't, I can't choose. Like, you know, that's going to be pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be more practical for me to lose Tagalog because of my, of my family, my son and my, uh, my husband. And, and it's easier to speak English. It's very universal, but it would be an incredible sadness. If I lost how to speak Tagalog, which is something a lot of um, friends um, and people that I talked to who had immigrated at the same age sometime in the 80s, they I hardly speak or can't even speak anymore um, the, of their native tongue, which is always a sad thing for me to hear.
because it's a piece of you that leaves like it's gone you know it's and then it becomes a memory and your identity and character is lost you know so I, I I think that would be a very sad loss I hear you yeah you just mentioned memory briefly when you um when you're memorizing events which language do you memorize uh I think it's whatever the language is at present you know I have a pretty good memory of a lot of things that happens before we immigrated and and uh so and after um but even when we had visited families and friends i think they they just happen simultaneously i don't think of them as a dividing anymore because i'm you know my family is still my family and we're all we all speak uh tagalog and um i think that i remember it in both languages yeah That's pretty good. But yeah. I think because English, because you learned it at such an early age. Yeah. It's almost in your fabric, way more, way yeah. more, you know, ingrained in you. Then, then, yeah, even though we didn't speak English, we could speak English. But when we, when I was growing up. So, and whenever we spoke English, we would try to tease ourselves in speaking with an English accent, you know, and it's almost just a funny thing to do. But once we got to the States, it was like, oh, this is reality. This is what we need to do. So I think that language at that time, it changed the character to us change, you know, in order for us to survive, we need to speak this language. And then also we need to speak it like an American, mm -hmm. you know, you, you want to be Americanized so that a, as a child, you don't get teased or as an adult, you know, um, and, uh, the matter of being assimilated into a culture, at least for me growing up was very important. You know, it also builds sort of an integrity for myself to be able to be part of a group. So there's a lot of growing up quickly that I needed to do. You know, there's ways that you can uh, manage to be part of a new culture without um, having to feel like you are isolated. And I, I did think of that at a very young age. And to me, it just happened so naturally. as easily because I've seen some students who struggled when they come in from another culture and, you know, they feel very isolated. Mm. Yeah. Everyone in our family was educated. We knew that speaking English will, you know, get you in college. <laughs> and, uh, and that was very important for my family. Like, but it's true. I, th I think they're right that it does give, it put you in a situation of like, you spoke English, you, Uh, you know, in upper middle class and, and, uh, or your family's really wealthy, you know. Um, but mostly all my friends and family, everyone went to a private school, you know, and, and in a private school, they teach you both languages. So, but I, I actually learned how to speak English in, um, uh, this little nursery school, just like down this, down the road from my, our house and where my brother went, where my sister went. And I was the last one to go. And yeah, we were all the same. Oh my, I, I don't remember what the school name is. It's been so long i do okay. yeah, yeah i do remember the seesaw <laughs> this our seesaw the yeah. seesaw yeah. Nice memory. yeah it is a very nice memory yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you define migrant 
Well, um, I think uh, they're a group of people or individuals that move from one place to another to seek um, a better life, like, um, you know, and opportunities. And um, I think that in today's society, it's a little harder to think that migration is, uh, human migration is easy as it was perhaps maybe before. But I think that it's also, uh, people who are migrants, it's their will to find a place where they can find that opportunity. And I do think part of the reason why it was important for my family to immigrate to the States is that they they wanted us to be, have better education. And so that is always a major reason, most more likely that um, for parents who are from other places for their children to have. And um, especially in the Philippines, they wanted us to like have a better life. And at that time, America was like a symbol of you know, such an amazing opportunity to for a better life, good education and um, and job opportunities. And uh, so that we can help our family back in the Philippines, you know, and that was what the plan was, you know, <laughs> and um, and I think not just us, but the generation before us had the same idea. I think now it's it gets harder and harder to do that. It was hard actually for us to do it too. And some countries have better opportunities for people who would like to, you know, um, find better opportunities than others. So, do you consider yourself a migrant? Oh well, now no, but um, I'm I'm actually um, when we immigrated to the States in the 80s, uh, we were able to get a green card. And uh, so I've been a permanent resident for 35 years in America. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Yeah. And uh, so I was 10 when we came. And then at 19, I took my citizenship. So I'm really an American citizen. Yeah. How do you define culture and belonging? Hmm. Um, well, I, I think I, 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 I talked about assimilating to a society. I think it's really interesting that you say assimilating uh-huh. versus integrating. Do you think there is a difference? Uh, yes. Part of, uh, as an individual, I look at it, assimilating is a process of you to become a person of familiarity in an environment. I think integration comes in um, later on. Um, like for me, I needed to understand what the culture is before I want to integrate myself in a culture uh, because I feel like integration is like, you know, that everything about me is right. You know, I want to know what am I getting into before I tell them who I am. Like, and so part of that, Individually, when I look at cultural belonging, is that you need to understand the culture first. You know, you know who you are, but coming into a culture that you don't know what's happening, you're not, you know, implementing your own culture, only discriminate others. So I want to, I want to make sure that I understand where I am before 
I integrate, I, I tell them who I am, you know, and so that, um, I can understand others in reaction, you know, um, or how they would respond to me. To me, that's like a natural response, like to everything to survive is that know what your situation is and then assess it. And that's, that's like assimilate it and then integrate. Then you feel like, okay, once you know them and then they know you, then you become you belong into a community, right? Um, the great thing about belonging in a community is that you become part of this diverse universe, right? Part of you as an addition to this environment becomes like, you know, another seed for something. I, and I think that, you know, community grows that way. So ideas, if you introduce an idea to a community, if they take it on, it becomes a more vital community, right? In the 80s, there was, you know, this um, effort to introduce Esperanto. Ah, yes, <laughs> yes, I know. Sometime in the 90s, uh, I had a roommate who really wanted to speak in Esperanto. He's an artist and a painter, and he would uh, name all his paintings in Esperanto. And so we would tease him, actually, because they're so funny. I mean, all the context of Esperanto, it's like talking in... Klingon, you know, it's a little quirky to me, you know, uh, I know it's a mixture of all these languages and you're supposed to know, never caught on really. I don't know. Do you know somebody who speaks in Esperanto? Yeah, I, I don't either. Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, I like the idea of a universal language. Um, you know, actually, I feel like English is a universal language because, you know, I, I travel a lot and, um, um, I feel that sometimes I feel very secure to just travel because I can speak English. I mean, you know, um, I, I don't think I've ever had any problem traveling without having to meet somebody who spoke English, except when I was in Poland and in Warsaw. And I met a lot of like older people that didn't speak English and I got lost a lot. And so no one was helping me. It was so hard to get around and I was crying and I was got lost in the middle of Warsaw. And I thought I was saying like, no one's ever going to find me. But I think I totally respect other people's language. And I think it's beautiful when you, even if I get lost or if I feel like I don't belong in a place, um, I think that that's just part of experience. But majority of the time, I wish Esperanto caught on because it's a really kind of a funny, exciting language. But I feel more uh, English is like a universal language right now in our society. Because you speak both languages so perfectly. Are there any moments of frustration, either with Tagalog or English, in situations where you like, darn, I wish I had this word in Tagalog or in English? Um, I, I mean, I have, I have difficulties, both languages still, like I can't remember. Sometimes I can't remember a word in Tagalog. I, I feel very frustrated, but same in English, you know, English is such a variable language. It's old and, um, and it's also the root comes from many different um, languages. Uh, so when you, when you come up, when I'm thinking of a word that, and possibly because I'm losing some of my memory too, <laughs> that, or I'm tired, I can't remember anything. And I think that, um, yes, of course, I think I get frustrated in both languages. Like if I can't remember a word, you know, even sometimes it's, it's like towel or something in Tagalog. I can't, 
remember it. Oh, like, okay, I couldn't remember it five seconds ago. I just remembered it right now in my head. So uh, I, I was just thinking about, oh, what's the word for talent in Tagalog? Uh, uh, and sometimes I do get frustrated because I feel that, you know, if you lose one, if I lose one memory of the other, um, that's like a sign of a loss. And so it does stress me out a lot. But I think there's other factors that is involved, like old age and <laughs> tiredness and stress. Yeah. <laughs> or hunger. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about Hannah's work, you can visit her website at hannahisrael.net. Thank you for your support so far through donations. If you want to collect my art, reach out to me. Please continue to like, share and subscribe. Until next time, be well.